0: Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot mic underway, Thursday edition. Hutton with Ro, 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Trey Wallace will join us from Outkick.com. In 20 minutes, we'll talk all SEC headlines with him. A lot to get to, Chad, on that with all the quarterback discussion. Alabama in the mix for a transfer at QB and much more. Looking forward to that with Trey. Plus, uh, Chris Krause will join us in hour number two. We'll talk all things NBA playoffs with the analyst from 48 Minutes. Good afternoon. Good afternoon.
1: Happy to say that I was dead wrong about the Lakers sweeping the Grizzlies. Well, we have a series now. Yeah. I, I want series. Look, ultimately, hey, well, I not, want good not just series. A series so I think we we have, have drama now. Yeah, yeah. And trash talk galore. I still am going to stick with our Kings, though, sweeping the Warriors. So that. Yeah, that our Kings. The, tonight's a big one. You get a 3 0. Obviously, if they're going to sweep, they're going to have to win the next two. But with our Kings, the team that we've been behind from the beginning, then that's what's going to happen tonight. We've
0: got We're some hoping. Drama with the NBA playoffs, we'll, we'll discuss later. But maybe some drama with the NFL draft and what the Houston Texans may do. If they don't go quarterback at number two overall, that throws everything into a mix of, well, craziness, because no one's really previewing what could happen if, if the Texans go defense. So the more,
1: Hutton, that I, I think about the possibility, and, and you opened, I think, yesterday's show, talking about you know, Colts and Texans, Texans especially, got to go quarterback. right. You can't wait around. If you, if you like a quarterback, then you got to go get him. The more I think about the possibility of, if they don't love C.J. Stroud, or Anthony Richardson, or Will Levis, the three quarterbacks likely to go in the top 10 of this draft. I like the idea of them passing on quarterback and either – I think the best-case scenario is trade out of that spot. Let's say it's the Tennessee Titans that they trade with. Titans want Anthony Richardson. They trade up, get Anthony Richardson at two, and then the Texans can get the same type of haul that the 49ers got when they went from 12 to three. This would be a team going from 11 to 2 in the draft. So then you get pick 11, if you're the Texans, plus pick number 12. What if you could land, I, I don't know, let's say Hendon Hooker at number 11 or 12. Some other possibilities that could be there. Miles Murphy, an edge rusher. Lucas Van Ness, another edge rusher from Iowa. If Will Anderson... Uh, if you stayed at two and you got Will Anderson, the best defensive player in the draft, and could still get Hendon Hooker at 11, if I told you that the options in the draft were C.J. Stroud and then getting one of those guys at 11 or 12, or the haul that would come with trading out of two and then getting a Lucas Van Ness and not a Will Anderson, let's say, or C.J. Stroud, and Hendon Hooker at 12, I would take that over the option of, of drafting a guy that you're not in love with And C.J. Stroud. The best option, though, to me, would be hunting to trade out of two down to, let's say, 11 or whoever trades up. And then to trade back from that spot or 12 to late in the first round in hopes of landing Hendon Hooker late in the first round. And then thinking about the windfall of picks that could come from moving down that way. Now, doing that is an enormous risk that they cannot take. If they want Hendon Hooker as a quarterback... And they feel like Hendon Hooker and C.J. Stroud are similar as quarterbacks. I love the idea of trading out of two, getting Hooker with either pick 12 or wherever they trade back to with a team that's trading up to get their guy. But it's not a bad scenario for them
0: when I start to think more and more about it. But they have a new coaching staff, six-year contracts for their coaching staff with D'Amico Ryans, Nick Casario, and casario has been there while they've won 11 games over the last three seasons and you're telling me that they were going to roll the dice and try to maneuver i know you're you're saying like if if they can get hendon hooker you would do this but roll that's a big that's a big roll the dice and say you know what we're going to end up with the quarterback we want and we're going to do all these different puzzle pieces chad they need a quarterback
1: I, again, it's a big if, and I think the biggest risk would be not – I don't think it's that much of a risk if you trade out of two. I think Hendon Hooker's going to be there wherever you trade back to or at 12. So a scenario where you can trade back, get a haul of draft picks, including a first-round pick next year also, and get Hendon Hooker at 12, plus whatever else you're going to get in the first round, I like that option as opposed to drafting a C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson. If you're the Texans, and there's more and more smoke about this, that they don't love either one of those guys. They don't love any of the guys after Bryce Young. So if that's the case, and you've rated Hendon Hooker close to them, I like that scenario more. But there's two big ifs in this. If it's true they don't love C.J. Stroud, that's one of the big ifs. The other one is, if it's true they could get Hendon Hooker there, because you're right, Hutton, when you don't draft your quarterback at number two, and you're a quarterback-needy team, you are – putting yourself at risk and the mercy of the court
0: to see if everyone else doesn't draft the quarterback you want. I mean, you, and that's a tough spot to put yourself in. You brought up Lucas Van Ness, right? You can say, Oh, we're going to trade back. We're going to end up with him or Nolan Smith. You can't do that with quarterback. So, and the Texans, again, like they, they have two first round picks. They have a chance to get like the second or third, possibly best pass rusher in this draft. Personally, I would go with Jalen Carter if I'm drafting the best defensive player at number two overall and try to move back up to get the quarterback that you want. But the idea that they leave the first round without a QB and if they're interested in Hendon Hooker at 12 and we're throwing out the scenario of all of this, the Tennessee Titans are sitting in a great spot at 11 to trade back for a team that wants Hendon Hooker to get ahead of Houston. That's why you can't roll the dice with that. I also think
1: if if it's true the Titans are calling, among other teams, calling the Texans about
0: trading up to get that number two. And the pick. reports are the Titans have called between two and six to try to move up.
1: Yeah, and again we don't know what their draft board looks like at quarterback, right. but I also wouldn't think if you were wanting to give up what you have to to trade up that you also in turn don't want to pass up Hendon Hooker at eleven. So if you're the Titans and he's there, right? If you're that needy of a quarterback, again, this is all about the, 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 the taste of the organization and what they think about these quarterbacks. I'm just saying on its face, boy, I really like the haul the Texans could get by trading back, getting Hooker, getting another really good player in the teens or around 11 or 12 also, those two picks, picking up another first-round pick in this, picking up second-round picks, everything that would go into the trade up for that team, for a team that needs so much. And the Casario part of this is interesting because he's been a loser since he's been with the Texans. So I understand the neediness for Casario to I can't pass on the quarterback. And at some but point, if you're, you're, if you're you D'Amico can Ryans. If you collect all these picks, you have to draft someone. If you're D'Amico Ryans, though, I also understand the I don't really like the quarterbacks that are there, too. I don't want to put my stamp on this organization. My first big move as head coach with this GM being drafting a quarterback we don't love.
0: I can understand that, too. But also consider Bobby Slowick is the offensive coordinator in Houston. He was the passing game coordinator in San Francisco. The run game coordinator was Mike McDaniel. And that would also be Slowick saying CJ Stroud's out. Like this new regime, like the whole agent thing just does not add up. And the CJ Stroud discussion, and, and forgive me for diving into this area of the, uh, the hype machine. What was the tweet that Adam Schefter sent out that was very vague, but he wanted to be a part of? It was the Washington Commanders.
1: Yeah, it was, it was basically, while they're in final discussions,
0: the deal is not signed yet, and the Canadian guy yeah. is also making a, a move. Schefter goes on NFL Live, and not like as a headline, just in a discussion with Dan Orlovsky, has started this talk about the Texans and the fact that, not the Texans, but the fact that we may not see the second quarterback drafted until Indianapolis picks it four, And I mean, it, it's his opinion. That's fine. And they've got a fun, you know, uh, bet going on, but at the same time, and I'm, I i do not think Schefter's doing this on purpose, but you do have to like advance the topics and discussion at some point. And what have we been discussing for the last three or four months? Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback to begin the draft. So forgive me for being skeptical of the worldwide leader who hosts the NFL draft yep. trying to create some drama for a dramaless NFL draft this year.
1: Yeah. You're right. I mean, uh, all the smoke could simply be let's get some interest in what we know is probably going to be quarterback at one man, and two. Man,
0: if, if Houston passes on C.J. Stroud, what does that say about Stroud? what has happened there's there?
1: always a guy that i talked about this with will anderson and I, most other draft experts pundits whatever you want to call them i feel like you get these write-ups and reports and people on tv well maybe will anderson's not as good he's just so quiet that his draft stock seems to fall when maybe it's not i feel the same about cj stroud right now but i'm falling victim to this as we get closer to the draft CJ Stroud is the one quarterback I'm starting to think less and less of as I we don't get know closer. How, though. Only as a guy, though, that does not have that high of a ceiling and he's got a high floor. And yeah. I just don't know that he is star NFL quarterback material. Is he Ryan Tannehill at his best? You know, is he a guy that could be top 15 in the NFL? Sure. Am I going to sit here and say CJ Stroud is a top 10 quarterback? At some point in his career, I'm not confident in saying that. Is he Davis Mills or Case Keenum? He's probably better than both. (laughs) Although Davis Mills has done some good things. But here's what Davis Mills is: he's a decent option to give him a shot. Give him a shot to start while Hendon Hooker gets healthy. Okay. So this is what I keep going back to. So if you're them and you're saying, man, you know, CJ Stroud, there's nothing that impressive about him. But he's good, you know, he's fine. He's Davis Mills, maybe. You know, that's what they're saying. He's, uh, you know, back-of-the-pack NFL quarterback. Why not take a shot with all those picks you're going to get and Hendon Hooker?
0: Uh, who? Uh, it's the Houston Texans, so who knows? But, man, I, I wouldn't be able to pass on the quarterback given where they are and what they've been through at the position. The quarterback that threw the middle finger at them after getting the contract extension before all of the – off-the-field issues um, is the reason why they have two first-round picks in the top 12 this year, and they're going to have future ones moving forward. I would take the quarterback first, and I don't think there's any debate as far as NFL hype or the overall consensus that C.J. Stroud is starting quality right now before Hendon Hooker is. And, then, I, and that's why I have to take the quarterback if I'm Houston at two. I,
1: I would put, I, again, this kind of changes as we get closer to the draft, and this is just personal preference. I do think, and Dane Brugler told us this too, I think it's Bryce Young and then there's a drop-off, and there's the other quarterbacks. I would put C.J. Stroud ahead of, of Hendon Hooker right now. Today, right? yes. Uh, but not by much. Like I, I don't know that there's that big of a drop-off from C.J. Stroud or Hendon Hooker, or if there's any drop-off at all. They could be the same guy. Hendon Hooker could be better. Uh, I don't think it's that big of a difference between those two. The the difference is the age and the injury with Hendon Hooker. But where they are now and where they could go in four or five years, I think is pretty similar once Hendon Hooker is healthy. But you would agree. Anthony Richardson's got the biggest ceiling, the highest ceiling of all of them, because of his athletic ability. I also think he could be an absolute bust because of what we saw from him at Florida. I think Will Levis is a sham. I don't think he's gonna be a good quarterback at all. So now how do I re-rack those quarterbacks? I re-racked them by saying the Texans may be very smart to trade back and just get Hendon Hooker and get all those picks they're going to get in
0: return for it also but the, because they need a lot more than quarterback. But the assumption is that they're the smartest team in the room and no one else is in on, the, on that discussion. No other team is going to be you – know, the, 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 there are so many teams, Chad, that have a veteran quarterback right now that pick ahead of Houston that could plan for the future, and they have a roster that's set up To just absorb a a red shirt year, so to speak, that that also includes Anthony Richardson. We should throw him into that mix too. Yeah, Vegas, Seattle. um, You know, Atlanta comes to mind for a team that could certainly use a quarterback battle. Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill.
1: Well, the biggest again, you can't can't
0: just assume you're getting your guy. (laughs) No, you
1: can't. You can't, and 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 you cannot do this if you really like Hendon Hooker for the Texans. But the biggest win for the Texans, like this is the A-plus scenario in this draft, trade back at two with someone that wants to come up and draft a quarterback, trade out of whatever that pick is you land when, by trading yep. back, or a, or 12, where they are now with their second first-round pick, trade back again and get Hendon Hooker pick 25 to 31, let's say. And then look at all of those stockpiled picks you're getting, future first-round picks, second-round picks that year. You transform your club with that one draft. But you can't take the chance of pulling that off that late in the first round with Hendon Hooker, right? you got to get a quarterback in this first round. I also but, see I mean, that
0: for the Texans. At some point, you need to stop acquiring picks and actually draft the best player. They have nine picks in this year's draft already. Yeah. And I, I realize, you're right, they have a ton of holes. But let's start at quarterback. And that, I, I just don't, I don't buy the fact that they're going to pass on QB... Uh, at two, if you're that sold on the scenario that Hendon Hooker's the guy, then draft the dude. I I, I don't buy it. They're going to pass on qu-
1: at quarterback with pick two or where they trade back to. My scenario is really far fetched because then they'd have to trade back again and yeah, get a guy that may be the last scenario for them. Yeah, because then they get all those picks in return. But the real scenario would be, and I'm using the Titans as an example mm-hmm. because they're a team that's called them trade back to eleven. Let the Titans draft C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson. You draft Hooker at 11 or 12, and then with that other pick, you're getting a great defensive player, a core guy that is – maybe it's Jalen Carter that falls to 11. I mean, who knows? Or maybe it's Lucas Van Ness from Iowa or an edge rusher, but you get both those guys. So then the scenario would be C.J. Stroud and one of those defensive guys or trading back, getting future first-round picks – in return, and getting Hendon Hooker in one of those defensive guys. Or just, I like the future picks, Hendon Hooker, defensive guys, as opposed to just staying put with
0: C.J. Stroud. Yeah, and I, going back to yesterday to begin the show, the discussion was Trey Lance. I also like that scenario. Yeah. Where you let Trey Lance prove it, if you can get him in a trade for a third-round pick. Again, they have nine picks, and you still get to draft at 2 and 12, and you don't have to – you bring in Lance – and then you also pair him with Davis Mills. And if you don't like the quarterbacks, that is a great a, guess who would know Trey Lance pretty well? The head coach of the Houston Texans and the offensive coordinator. So I They've been going against him in practice. I I yes. I, I would I would also throw that into the mix. Um, and uh, I, I just have a hard time believing that Shanahan's parting ways with Trey Lance for a second or third round pick that's being mentioned right now.
1: It's a good point. And as we'll talk about later, maybe the 49ers have their quarterback in Aaron Rodgers when all this is said and
0: uh, done, based on some (laughs) reports. Yeah, Tiki Barber is discussing that. We'll dive into that uh, opinion. We will also hit on what Tua Tungvaloa had to say about his considering retirement over the offseason. It took a month for him to clear concussion protocol most recently. And he was very open and honest about Mulling retirement, prior to saying, "Hey, I'm back, and I'm going to learn how to fall better." Uh, whenever <laughs> someone's hitting, I think me. we all could use that class. Yeah, uh, a, a have,
1: graceful faller is is difficult to find, but when you find them, you know them well, when you see them. It's like the Chevy Chase or Ashton Kutcher that can do the the prank fall, you yeah. know, for a laugh. They're so good at it, and they never Chris get hurt. Yeah, I think Chris Farley was actually just injuring himself and then numbing it with a lot of drugs afterward. Wow! Well, but uh, Chevy Chase and Ashton Kutcher,
0: they can actually not get hurt and do the big fall and know how to get away with it. Maybe that's the class two I went to. We'll get into all of that coming up throughout the show. When we come back, Trey Wallace joins us. We'll continue the quarterback discussion. What's going on in Tuscaloosa at, with Alabama and what is needed in the transfer portal? Trey Wallace joins us next on Hotline. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, Hutton Withrow. Pleased to be joined by Trey Wallace, Owlkick.com. Great work covering the SEC and college football at the site. Trey, hope you're well, man.
2: Guys, I am uh I'm doing good. Uh been a been a crazy busy week. And uh yeah, appreciate you guys having me on the show today, as usual.
0: Biggest takeaway from Columbia, South Carolina, and your visit with the Gamecocks.
2: I, I would I would probably say how much has changed when it comes to a culture standpoint at South Carolina. You know, it, it was so different under Will Muschamp. And, and walking around the facility, you could tell everybody was on the same page and, and, and talking with different coaches off the record about things. And, and there was stuff in the article that, you know, wasn't going to come out. I wasn't going to put in there. But I would say that, you know, also... Shane Beamer is what you see with Shane Beamer that is who he is in person. He's not putting on an act. I mean, you know, we, we uh, he had just wrapped up a recruit meeting. Uh it was 12:35. He was on a schedule. He said, "Hey Trey, let's go." And and we get in the car and we're driving over to his kid's school. For him to be able to give a speech on leadership to nine-year-olds, and we're just and we're just talking back and forth about a 15-minute drive. And you know, he, he's explaining to me how they're trying to get things done at South Carolina and, and beating out Clemson for certain recruits and making headway in the SEC, just very down-to-earth, and a guy that I think he's starting to really figure it out when it comes to how to be a head coach in the Southeastern Conference. And, and Jonathan, you can't, you know, it, it's hard not to mention too the talent at South Carolina, you know, yeah. it was, it was kind of a depleted roster. So he's having to build that back up. So I give him a lot of credit. There was a lot of takeaways. They've got a long way to go, Jonathan, but I do think that with Shane Beamer, and you've seen it this week with their recruiting, getting a couple four stars and five star, they seem to be on the right path to, to maybe making a conversation in the sec East.
0: I mean, this is a compliment and I think the, the average viewer or listener is going to think I'm comparing South Carolina and what he's done to what Vandy accomplished, but is the ceiling what James Franklin accomplished at Vandy for him at South Carolina?
2: You know, that's a, that's a really valid question. And and we saw what James Franklin did at Vanderbilt and you know, where they're we're ranked and you got college game day on campus. And you know, there was a, there was a vibe to it. I think with South Carolina, I do think that there's a way that they get back, you know, you, you know, we all remember the time Carolina beat Alabama at home and, you know, they were highly ranked and, you know, I I do think there is a spot for Carolina if they can continue recruiting the way that they are doing it right now um, to, to potentially, you know, be ranked 20th in the country four weeks out from the 12 team playoff announcement. And somehow they sneak in or something along those lines with like two losses. Like I could see something like that. And, and look, I mean, you look at the program overall, I think they're set for quarterback in the future. You got Spencer Rattler back this season. They're going to continue to build on that. And, 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 but, but I don't, you know, it's one thing I'll I'll leave it at this. It's like, he said to me, it's like, look, before we beat Tennessee and Clemson, we got drubbed by Florida. So it's not like it was some, oh, we're back type of statement by beating Tennessee and Clemson and playing close with Notre Dame, taking it to the, the end. It's more or less we're making progress in what we're trying to do as a program. So, I mean, I, I would I would say that that is a nice comparison, um, but I think South Carolina's got probably a little bit more potential in you know, maybe playing for or at least challenging for an SEC East spot down the road down the road
1: seven and six eight and five the two records so far and correct me if I'm wrong but I think Franklin had back-to-back nine and fours at Vandy which was the the ceiling there so he's only one more win away from that right now I'm with you Trey if I put a number on I think they're probably a win better at South Carolina than when Franklin was at Vanderbilt in terms of potential of where they could get maybe in a two-year basis get to ten wins is probably the the high-end expectation but you hit on something there. I think the most impressive part about beating Tennessee and Clemson the way they did was the bounce back after what was a pretty disappointing year up to that point, and then the, the blowout loss to Florida in that game. So the fact that the culture is intact, to not give up and stick with it and finish the season that strong is important. But what may be more important is, how is Spencer Rattler in year two? It, it, with that program, with that, the, that team, those teammates, Trey, and... That's sort of my question. How much relies on improvement from Rattler that's going to show that you can go to South Carolina, even as a, a transfer, and improve within that offense
2: and lead to big things? I think the biggest thing, Chad, too, about Spencer Rattler is his name as well. People are going to tune into South Carolina football to watch Spencer Rattler. And whether that's thanks to Oklahoma and what happened beforehand is what it is. You know, and, and I asked, you know, we were walking into the school and walking into a school with a bunch of fourth graders and and fifth graders around. And, but I asked, I asked Shane, I was like, does the Spencer Rattler get a bad rap? And, and he pointed out, yeah, you know, the documentary didn't help. You know, he's, he's got a father that's very hands-on. He said, it reminded him this wasn't in the piece, but Shane Beamer said, his, his situation reminded him of Caleb Williams uh, at, at USC, where you kind of get a bad rap for some of the wrong reasons that maybe the public doesn't know all about. Um, and I agree with him on that. I, I think, look, Spencer Rattler, they have given him the playbook. Dow Loggins coming in from Arkansas. That gives him the ability now to open up this playbook a little bit. And, and if they're not running a lot. They're not running anything different like Dow's going to come in and maybe change a few things, but Spencer knows all the checkdowns. He knows what to look for on defense. And I think you're going to see a better quarterback. Like if we're being honest, the first six games of last season, we're not good for Spencer Rattler. But finally, it's Marcus Satterfield, who was the former offensive coordinator and Shane Beamer. And finally like, okay, look, damn it. We've got a quarterback that can throw the football. Let's stop this RPO and having him run crap and let him throw the ball. What did he do the next week after running the ball a lot against Florida? He comes out and torches Tennessee, and then he leads his team to be Clemson. And then they go to the, the the Gator Bowl, and they probably should have beaten Notre Dame, but it was a hell of a football game. So I, I think you're getting a quarterback, you know, and talking with some folks there, a lot more confidence, knowledge of the playbook. He's He's also better with the surroundings at South Carolina. It's a it's a family environment, man. I know that gets preached a lot in college football, but it really is. And he feels comfortable at South Carolina entering season two compared to coming in last year, having his buddy Austin Stagner, Stagner there with him at tight end. You know, a lot of things change, man. And I think for Spencer Adler to be good going forward.
0: Trey Wallace with us from OutKick. What's going to happen, in your opinion, at quarterback at Bama with the transfer portal now?
2: I mean, you you look at that report that came out, and and I wrote about that and I published it about an hour ago. There's a report out of Miami from canesports.com that that Tyler Van Dyke, starting quarterback at Miami, is not happy with his NIL arrangements uh, with Miami and John Ruiz. Uh, and that good luck finding something um, better, (laughs) right? Exactly. And that, but here's the key point of all that. He says a number of schools have reached out collectives, by the way, collectives Mm -hmm. have reached out in regards to Van Dyke. And one of those schools was Alabama. This was in the report. So I look at it, I'm like, Wait a minute. Okay, if you're throwing Alabama out there, to me, and by the way, his agent is Drew Rosenhaus. Nothing against Drew Rosenhaus, but I know how Drew Rosenhaus works. Um, This feels like a money ploy from him at Miami to get more from the NIL. Be like, hey, look, guys, Alabama's contacting me. Oh, you better give me some more money. But I say all that to say this. We don't know what the situation looks like at Alabama right now. The only person that does is Nick Saban and Tommy Reese. And with Ty Simpson and Jalen Milroe I think there's a reason why there's not going to be, in my opinion, I could be wrong come Saturday. There's not going to be a starting quarterback coming out of spring practice. They're going to head into fall camp without a starting quarterback. Now, mm-hmm. now whether they want to say that externally, that's fine. It's up to them. But I do think that, it would kind of make sense for Alabama to go out and get a veteran quarterback, somebody that's been around college football for a bit. I, I you know, I, I see two sides of it. It's like, okay, I, I can see where Alabama, you know, they're, they're not going to have a collective reaching out if Nick Saban is also, that's another thing too. Like yeah. that report stated that collectives were reaching out to, to Tyler Van Dyke. Let me tell you something. Nick Saban. It goes through him. If he doesn't want that to be out there, he's not letting that collective reach out to anybody at Miami. So I don't think that, you know, he's not Saban's not dumb enough to be tampering. Okay. He has his own ways of doing it. And I look at the situation <laughs> right now and, and I just think, well, look, I just, think, I, honestly, I, I don't think they, they, I don't think they get one out of the portal, but if they do today's report, sure as hell didn't help.
0: Well, and to your point, Trey, Jad. Sabin has intermediaries. If I'm. If, yes. If I, well, but, but if I am trying to drive up the price with John Ruiz, as yes. good as it may sound on paper, I'm not using Nick Saban, who has publicly stated, you will earn your NIL after yeah. you arrive. We're not, we're not going to negotiate with you. That's the last program doing? I'm I'm going yeah, to Yeah, I reference. mean,
1: like if Tennessee didn't have their quarterback situation on lock right now with yeah. their two guys. Ole Miss. That that would be the one to do it. Every other quarterback. By the way, went speaking there. of Ole Miss, that was going to be my follow up. Great, great lead in there, Hutton. Okay. If you're Alabama and you want a veteran oh, quarterback option, just call the dude that's third <laughs> at Ole Miss. If it's Spencer Sanders, if it's if it's the the kid from LSU, Walker Howard. Walker Howard. Howard. Call one of those guys and say, hey, you want to come compete over here? You might be better than one of these two guys we have.
2: No, Chad, this is how it goes. Uh, Saban calls Lane. Excuse me, Lane. You remember that uh, defensive coordinator change that we did together about three months ago? Okay, let's also do this with the portal now and a quarterback. I need a guy. You need to get rid of a guy. So why don't you just go ahead and tell me which one's not going to play?
1: Or you need an edge rusher, and I've got 17 of them over here if you're Nick Saban, so you can have one of these guys. One of my four-star guys who will never play here, you can have him. He might start for you at Ole Miss. I like this. I like the idea of coaches just making trades now and said, i got someone who's unhappy. We're interested in this guy who's third on your depth chart. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to send him over here and a future middle linebacker to be named later, then we can work this deal out.
2: Yeah, look, it, it James Franklin talked about it today. You know, I had, I had an NFL coach text me today and is like, look, James Franklin just brought it up that college football is about to go the NFL route in two to five or six years where these schools are going to be paying the players and it's all going to be handled in-house. The trading stuff would make perfect sense if we're being honest with each other here. You know, hey, oh. man, this this guy's entering the portal. Heads up. What you got?
0: And it would play so, right into the conspiracy theorists that believe that Lane Kiffin turned down Auburn because he's the coach in waiting at Bama. Think of yeah that. <laughs> I mean,
2: exactly it's perfect SEC exactly. fodder. It's it's
1: <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. You know what else is awesome, Trey? Uh yeah. the fact that Jeremy Pruitt and Philip Fulmer oh. and Greg Sankey and Danny White and Donde Plowman and a hundred bloggers and all of the NCAA's finest attorneys are meeting in a (laughs) hotel ballroom right now in Cincinnati, and they're just laying out, you know, bags of cash and breakfast sandwiches and (laughs) COVID recruiting policies, and all of this stuff is going on. And the fact that Greg Sankey is there on behalf of Tennessee, I think, is pretty amazing. Now, here's my big question I, I know you're probably hearing about some of the things going on back and forth. And we can certainly speculate about some of that. But if the NCAA, we don't know this right now, but if the NCAA wants to stick with their guns on its failure to monitor, which failure to monitor typically comes with some sort of postseason ban. If they try to levy a postseason ban against Tennessee, should Tennessee sue the NCAA? Should that be the next course of action based on how cooperative they were with the NCAA? And based on the fact the NCAA has said, we don't want to punish those that didn't have anything to do with it. And Tennessee can say, we fired every coach and every player involved left or was kicked off the team.
2: So what more do you want? It, Tennessee is Tennessee has laid out their investigation to the NCAA more so than I've seen ever before in an NCAA investigation case. I mean, they gave them their passwords,
1: uh, essentially. Like, here, take our yeah. email, all of our social media. You guys can have all of it. You now have access to it. It was incredible Chad, they were, how much they, 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 they gave called- them too
2: much. They were calling the NCAA and letting them know on a Friday. Hey, just a heads up, we're not we're not hosting any official visitors this weekend. So please mark that down in the checkbook of stuff that we are doing. That's what was going on in Tennessee. They were literally giving the NCAA a play by play of what they were doing. Which we're going to find out if that works. The bowl band <laughs> thing that you were the bowl band thing that you were talking about. Yeah, if if the NCAA comes out tomorrow. Let's just, say, let's just say they finish up tomorrow in Cincinnati at 1 o'clock, and they say, okay, look, you know, they're not handing it out a punishment or anything, but Tennessee gets like wind that they might be considering a bowl ban. Uh, Tennessee would have lawyers ready to go to file a lawsuit against the NCAA. Um, that, that's not going to happen. Tennessee will fight for the players that are currently on the roster so that they do not get punished. And I agree with that philosophy from Tennessee's standpoint. The SEC and and Greg Sankey being there, I actually got a, I I actually reached out and I was like, you know, what's uh, Sankey's up there with Tennessee, you know, what's, you know, what's going on? I knew what was going on, but I wanted the SEC to comment. And they said to me, it is not uncommon for a conference commissioner to be in in attendance at a member schools hearing on infractions. So Greg Sankey's there to say, hey, NCAA, uh, screw off. Tennessee has done enough at this moment. Um, now as for the former coach that is sitting across the table, Jeremy Pruitt, yeah, y'all can have at that. And and I think that's a big thing here. I, I think Jeremy Pruitt has to, and, and I've spoken with some folks that have knowledge of what's going on in the last 24 hours there. It's not like Jeremy Pruitt's gone scorched earth. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt would love to get back into college coaching. And if that means, playing by the rules, and I'm talking about in this meeting, not while he was at Tennessee, uh, and saying what he needs to say where maybe he only gets like a four- or five-year show call or something like that, then that's what he's going to end up doing uh, and has done over the last 24 to 48. So, look, Tennessee's in a spot right now where they've done everything that they were supposed to do. If the NCAA does not agree on some scholarships, then hammer that out. That's not hard for the NCAA to say. Okay, look, you played with sixty-seven scholarship players in your first year under Heifel. Uh Let's cut back maybe four more scholarships for another year, something like that. though with some recruiting restriction. That'd be it. But a bowl ban? That's not happening. I will. T- Tennessee will appeal if the NCAA decides to go that route. Tennessee would appeal that bad boy till probably the NCAA president would be out of office. And I'm talking about the new one. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Tennessee has presented their case. It's very interesting. I, I'm just having a, I'm picturing Philip Fulmer, Jeremy Pruitt, Donnie Plowman, everybody just sitting in that room together. You got the NCAA just laying out every infraction that's going on. Can you imagine the looks? Fulmer's been given Pruitt, and Pruitt's been given Fulmer over the last couple of days. It just how many games make for trade beautiful. How many games TV? has
0: Tennessee won on the gridiron since all this took place? What year is it? Like the NCAA, mm-hmm. they need a middle finger. Like they just right. Like, so here's the best coverage of this of this hearing,
2: yeah.
0: and it, it comes via <laughs> it comes via this tweet from Adam Sparks. Yep. Funny moment during the NCAA hearing lunch break. Caught by the keen eye of Brent Hubbs. Tennessee had a lunch spread outside its meeting room. Random guy walked by and stole a bite. <laughs> then his wife returned and grabbed a cookie. No one stopped him. So, a whole group camped out over the food. That is the reporting that's going on at this mockery of a hearing. Yeah. And, and, the only, uh, the and the by the way, the, the best response that I saw to this was. Was yeah. that random guy Pruitt or Fulmer? Well, they, out over can't, the food? they can't get in the
1: room. So I think they're just like, you know, taking video of Greg right. Sankey walking in with his satchel.
0: I see every morning his walk in. Like, if, if anything, like, uh, there's no reason to abide by the NCAA and their ruling. If, if Tennessee's what they've already done isn't good enough based on what we're hearing.
2: Guys, they've got a dang leadership coaching conference <laughs> oh, this going is, this is on is the in the ballroom next to them. <laughs> they, the, the, literally, the, Seriously. They were also play. playing
1: danger zone yeah. uh, when they walked in, which I said was hilarious timing as Pruitt and Fulmer both emerged. Danger zone started playing from the leadership <laughs> conference next door, which then I'm imagining the guy who's got like the mic and the earpiece on that's leading this leadership conference with danger zone playing. And I'm laughing at that. There's a lot of comedy with this. I, I will say this. I've got some knowledge of what's gone on in this. The two yeah. stars so far of this hearing on. has been Greg Sankey, who has been terrific in his yes. piece today and yes. in his defense of Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt's attorney. <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt has the best attorney, I think, is what I'm, I'm hearing on this. Now he's in back terms in Alabama now, right? How or good no. of a job. Jeremy Pruitt ultimately just doesn't want – he would take a 20-year head coaching show cause – he wants to be able to get back in the SEC and be a coordinator. He wants yes. what happened to Hugh Freeze to Is happen to him. Is he an analyst
0: him? at Tennessee right now or at uh, Alabama? Uh, no, no. At he all. can't.
1: He's not. He's just playing in blackjack tournaments okay. right now. Well. He can't do anything in coaching in college. But I, I, Trey, don't you think also he just wants to be an assistant coach again? He's given up on being a head coach. Go to Hoover. Doesn't care about that. He he would be cool with a three year show cause, and then he could be an assistant coach after that.
2: He wanted the Alabama D.C. job this yeah. offseason, but Nick Saban was not going to go okay. in front. It was it was the same thing. I was told that specifically. It was the same thing that happened to Hugh Freeze years ago when Hugh Freeze couldn't get back in the SEC. That's what Jeremy Pruitt was trying to do this past year with the Alabama D.C. job. To wrap this up, what's going to happen? Chad, I pretty much heard the same thing, uh, that, that there's been a lot of uh, conjecture, let's just say, between Jeremy Pruitt's lawyer uh, and, and the other facilitators in the room. Um, I I think Jeremy's done a good job of uh, kind of holding his own when at times he could probably yell out, let's not forget, and I'll end it on this. Let's not forget. Philip Fulmer was the athletic director in charge at the time, and that guy got a $30,000 a month buyout to leave for two years while uh, Jeremy Pruitt was at home not making any money at all. Don't forget that.
0: Yep. But, man, when I see the the lawyers and attorneys following Philip Fulmer down that lonely trail (laughs) – through that meeting room and knowing the money that's being poured into this.
1: Yeah, and I you I, know I I think Tennessee's attorneys could have done a better job in all this too. I think some of it's yes. money, money well, wasted. I, I think some of the better attorneys are on the other side right now. Uh which unfortunately is remarkable. unfortunately for Tennessee with the team of attorneys that they that they have. Not that they're doing a bad job right or a terrible job. I just think that there's some others maybe doing a, a better job right now.
2: I was still I was still Greg Thank you really and, and you kind of talked about it too, stood up for, for Tennessee during these proceedings, uh, over the last 24 hours. And the only thing that would have been better and it made it a, just a, a noteworthy event is if the food that they were eating was Chick-fil-A <laughs> and that would have just been icing on the cake. Yep.
0: Trey, thank you as always, man. Great stuff today.
2: Guys, have a great day. a Good weekend. Appreciate y'all. Thanks
0: having. Trey. Same to you. Trey Wallace, i don't kick SEC reporter. Uh, when I say the string of attorneys, Chad, you saw the video. Yeah. There's like 12 of them following, just walking in, just faceless.
1: Yeah, the, these guys are here to hold your briefcase, I oh, guess, yeah. the,
0: the guy behind them. Yeah, it's, it's a <laughs> team of attorneys. Uh, coming up, Dylan Brooks, he's not afraid to poke the bear and then call his shot for game three on what he's expecting LeBron to do or else. It's a, it's remarkable, and it's the rivalry and the trash talk that we need. That's next on Hot Mic. Coming up, the team that may be able to make the best deal for Trey Lance, if in fact he's on the trade block. That's coming up in about seven minutes. Chad. I don't care if people hate Dylan Brooks or not. Trash talking LeBron James the way he did last night is amazing. Sign me up for game three. Like he's oh, I'm sorry, like if you can't score 40, then it's just it's a screaming in his face.
1: (laughs) I I, it's a brilliant play.
0: It's when you truly believe. It's like Reggie
1: Miller in the thirty for thirty talking about how he knew he could get under John Starks in his head. Yep. And then when John Starks, you know, blew a gasket and got the ejection and he's talking about it, I said, Oh, Johnny, I'm thinking, Oh, Johnny, why'd you do this? How dumb of you to do this. If Dylan Brooks truly believes that this trash talk and playing this game is going to negatively affect LeBron James, then more power to him. I love it from an entertainment perspective. I'm also here to stay say, I don't think this is going to be effective from an in game scenario moving forward. I don't think LeBron James is going
0: three for eleven is the, the type
1: of athlete that mentally is going to be negatively impacted by Dylan Brooks getting in his face moving forward. I think this is going to charge LeBron James I up mean, and get him to compete and play at a higher level. After the game. I could be wrong. Brooks and I love asked, it. I love it. I, I'm, I do not, too.
0: I'm not saying I hate it. No one goes it's, at it's him. Entertaining. Like this. It's entertaining. It's entertaining. You were complaining, and I'm I'm with you. No one complains about Draymond Green. No one ever says a foul word about Yeah, I don't LeBron like James. Dylan Brooks. And what I'm saying LeBron James. Yeah, oh, and yeah. And here's Dylan Brooks going full heel saying, Yeah, I don't care. He's old. He's <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> It's amazing.
1: No respect given whatsoever is is the incredible part about that. Now, this guy's elderly at this point in his career. Time to time to move aside.
0: I don't care. He's I, old. I poke I bears. I don't respect no one until they come and give me forty. Well, he's
1: about to do that in game three, is my prediction. But I do love it.
0: I do love and the, the Browns.
1: And they won it. Yeah.
0: They got it done. And by the way, James scored a game high 28 points and he shot 52%. And dude's talking trash. All he needs is twelve more to give give him that forty that he's been asking for. Trey Lance to which team if he's traded? Our opinions next.